the DSM doesn't acknowledge complex PTSD, and it's kind of a thing. And so the World Health Organization recognizes it in the ICD-11, but the, the, so the DSM is the kind of the Bible of psychiatry, and it's our diagnostic manual. And so anyway, listening to podcasts of trauma experts is so interesting. Everybody gets all up in arms about the definition of trauma, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, it's like art, right? I mean, how do you define trauma and what, what is the difference between trauma and developmental wounding and complex PT, PTSD and that kind of thing? Um, but to that end, like, Sarah, I think the thing that you and I both are aware of is the older we get and the more people we see, it's just a mystery, you know, and, and approaching medicine with intellectual in like true intellectual humility is something I see you do. I get inspired by that because we don't know it all. In this episode, we're exploring the question, how does trauma impact our physical health? This was such an incredible episode to record. We got the chance to sit down with sibling doctor duo, Dr. Neil and Dr. Sarah Bomar. Neil, psychiatrist and Milestones medical director, and Sarah, a functional medicine doctor, often team up to help patients unpack and discover the ways that trauma is holistically impacting their mental, physical, and emotional health. It was such a good episode, and I'm so excited for you to hear it. Christopher, what were your takeaways? Wow. I had a lot of takeaways, but I think more than anything, I was just excited to hear how the two of them collaborate yeah. in the care of our clients. Um, our clients get a lot of individualized attention for the two, from the two of them and um, them just in their expertise working mm-hmm. together. Um, a lot of things get covered. It's just really good. Yeah. And just the way that they both stayed so curious I think I loved their approach to medicine in their own individual ways, but just they both kept saying, we don't know it all. And they were open and curious to learning more, discovering how trauma impacts people um, and helping people find the solutions they need. So everyone needs a doctor like Dr. Bomar. Absolutely. Times two. All right. Well, stick with us as we explore this question. Welcome to the Treating Trauma Podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie Vogt. And I'm your host, Christopher O'Reilly. Join us for a limited series of conversations with trauma experts and world-class clinicians for Milestones, a one-of-a-kind, holistic, and specialized residential trauma treatment experience. Together, we'll explore how unresolved trauma from our past can disrupt and block us from being the person we want to be. I'm so excited to be sitting down with you, the sibling doctor duo, as we called you in our 2022 journal. Wow. Uh, I'm so excited to chat with you. Thanks for coming, guys. Thank you. We always, I don't know, it, we don't get that much opportunity to sit sit in the same space. You would think we would more, That's but true. we talk a lot. We talk a ton. Yes. But as far as sitting and looking at each other, That's this, right. is, this is a new experience. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. Uh, so we, um, that's not what I'm going to do. Well, part of the reason that we pulled you on today is that you guys get to work in tandem serving our clients at our residential program here at Milestones. And mm-hmm. so before we kind of get that, will you identify yourself and what your specialty is and maybe how you got into residential trauma care? My specialty in medicine is functional medicine. Yeah. And 
you can listen to the other podcast <laughs> <laughs> to hear this circuitous story about how all that happened. It's a wild um, story. It yeah. is. It is. But having been uh, significantly faced with physical challenges, I'll just say, um, I changed my focus in medicine, and I'm so glad that I did. And functional medicine, uh, that approach really got me to where I am today, being able to see patients and see people get better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a concept. And um, um, that has has just made all the difference for me. So I love, I love the journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not at the time, but I love where it landed me. And um, being able to be here working with my brother, um, who is just so incredibly gifted, and I'm just going to say that. Um, I've gotten um, a whole new appreciation for the effect of trauma Mm -hmm. on not just psychiatric illnesses, but physical illnesses Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Um, And so... um, I feel like it is a piece that really widens my uh, approach to my patients outside of uh, of onsite and milestones, mm-hmm. um, but gives me really a, a great scope within this context here as well. So I, I love it. It yeah. it's it is something that's much more. Uh, impactful when it comes to uh, physical illnesses than we ever realized. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Every conversation that I have with you and as we continue to dive into this topic in different arenas, I just continually get struck by the connection between our minds and our bodies. And so I'm excited to continue to dive into that. But how long have you all been working together at Milestones? Gosh. You started there a few years ago. I think it was 2018. Yeah, that's right. I've been at Milestones yeah. for six years. And I think you started probably a couple of years after that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's been four years. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I knew from an early age I wanted to be a doctor and um, went through college and med school. Um, when I got out of med school, I decided I wanted to go ahead and start practicing. So mm-hmm. I started working in urgent care clinics. And um, that led to me doing a residency in occupational and preventive medicine. Mm-hmm. And that residency led to me working in an industry uh, Toyota motor manufacturing yeah. in Georgetown, Kentucky. And it just, that was not my skill set. Um, that just, you know, I've, I've found through that work that I really miss story. I miss connection mm-hmm. and just treating sprains and strains and disability mm-hmm. management was not my skill set. Mm-hmm. So in 2001, I told my wife, I said, I think I want to be a psychiatrist. And um, so we picked everything up, moved back to Memphis and I did a residency in psychiatry and literally the first week in psychiatric residency, I was like, yeah, this is home. This, mm. is, this is what I'm meant to do. And um, so getting out in private practice in 2004, uh, doing child psychiatry, adolescent psychiatry, geriatric psychiatry, addiction medicine, general psychiatry, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, heard about on-site and was invited to tour and just kind of blown away by the residential setting. Yeah. And um, after getting here, I wanted to call all my patients back in my private practice and give them their money back because <laughs> I was like, like, this is just a better model. Yeah. You know, uh, the residential, you know, when people come and they're able to settle for 30 or 45 days or 60 days even. Mm-hmm. And we as a treating team get to know them on a level 
that as an outpatient psychiatrist, I just never got to know those clients. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of happy where I am. Kind of love what I do. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask, coming here, and I'm asking this based on my own experience. Yeah. Did it uh, just give you a whole different understanding of trauma? I th- so for me, it was a much more intimate, personal experience. In, in psychiatric training, all through that, when we talk about trauma... It's mm-hmm. like, okay, we're going to go to the VA and look at veterans with PTSD. Mm. Yeah. And so Western training, they put trauma in that box. Yeah. Veterans mm-hmm. with PTSD. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. War experiences. Mm-hmm. And I get here and understand the importance of adverse childhood experiences, developmental wounding, um, self-narrative as a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, then I start to look at myself, which I had thought I had done, but I had never done. Mm. And that was very, very enlightening, yeah. very trying, very rich and rewarding. And um, culminating in me, my wife, and my two kids doing a family intensive a few months ago, which was a total game changer. It's wild. For me and my family. That's mm. great. And I think probably the greatest gift I've ever given my boys. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, ex- that's really neat. And so it really broadened your understanding of trauma, of what it can be, what it looks like, and how to kind of navigate through it. Yeah. So if I'm going to be totally candid, early on in my career here at Milestones, I feel like vicariously I was getting benefit from seeing other clients do their work. Mm. Yeah. And and that's not unusual, right? We learn from our clients. Sure. Um, and so it, it really spurred me to, to go do my own work so that I can be fully present for my client and not have my own... Mm. you know, side yeah. narrative going on yeah. as I'm seeing people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it, – I'm 56. I got here when I was 50. I've been here six years, and I just really feel like it's the last six years of my life yeah. that I've truly stepped into fearlessly, authentically looking at myself mm-hmm. and also working with, like, I mean, it sounds trite, but a world-class team of therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing how they handle situations um, and seeing their interventions with particular clients and situations is like, golly, man, this is like mm. so enlightening, yeah. so educating. So I learned a lot of medicine in med school, but I really learned a lot of life at OnSite. That's great. Good. I think that's interesting that you, and I appreciate you doing that, conceding that the DSM doesn't yeah. contain all of trauma does it I mean in in the diagnosis and um well the DSM doesn't acknowledge complex PTSD yeah and it's kind of a thing and so the World Health Organization recognizes it in ICD-11 but that so the DSM is the kind of the bible of psychiatry and it's our diagnostic manual Mm -hmm. and so anyway listening to podcasts of trauma experts is so interesting everybody gets all up in arms about the definition of trauma. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, right. and you know, it's like art, right? I mean, yeah. how do you define exactly. trauma? And what, what is the difference between trauma and developmental wounding and complex PT, PTSD and that kind of thing? Exactly. Um, but to that end, like, Sarah, I think the thing that you and I both are aware of is the older we get and the more people we see it's just a mystery. It is. You know? It is. And, and approaching medicine with intellectual, in like true intellectual humility. Yes. Is something yes. I see you do. I get inspired by that because we don't know it all. Right. You know? Right. 
I'm, I'm glad to be in an environment where we respect some of the traditions of medicine, but are confident enough to extend outside that mm-hmm. to a degree, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <clears throat> for the benefit of the patient, and that's what we're seeing. How do the two of you kind of work in tandem for our clients? What does that look like from your two respective specialties? Yes, great question. Well, I'll just tell you, today on two patients, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we conferred over, you know, some labs and mm-hmm. some symptoms and, you know, are just able to delve into the physical realm as a possible um, source, if you Mm -hmm. will, for some of the psychological things that are going on. So, for example, insomnia, fatigue, Mm -hmm. low libido. um, Those are, I would say, you know, even anxiety Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, we might just use a model to um, create treatment just on the basis of of psychiatric issues. Mm -hmm. But there were some real physical things going on here. Um, And so, you know, jumped over there, Neil, take a look at this. What do you think about getting imaging on this patient, even brain imaging on this patient, Mm -hmm. Um, which was, you know, warranted by one of the labs that we drew. Mm -hmm. So... Um, we, we jump back and forth all the time. That's, that's why our offices, it's great that our offices are close together. Um, and we'll, you know, bring the other one in to, um, just explore some possible, you know, further treatments from that, for that patient. Yeah. Uh, Medicine, especially Western medicine has become so fractionalized Mm -hmm. and, you know, you go see this specialist for this and this specialist for that. And so there's really not, it's it's difficult to get a holistic yeah. view. <clears throat> and I wouldn't say, I mean, I love the fact that I had kind of typical Western training and practice in regular medicine before becoming a psychiatrist. Yeah, I think there are some great things in psychiatry, especially recently, but I haven't completely drunk the Kool-Aid of psychiatry. Mm-hmm. And... You know, and with Sarah's experience, especially as someone in a wheelchair for 14 years and having to reach out to sort of an alternative form of therapy to truly heal herself and get out of the wheelchair. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, we're older, but we're curious, Mm -hmm. you know. That's right. And there's, and so when we get. We're always looking at things. We are. Sending each other articles. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, all, all the we're we're discussing things all the time, looking at new ways of treating things, looking at amino acids, you know, for anxiety. It's just mm. <laughs> I know something as simple as it. So we have a guy we just saw earlier today, <clears throat> and he came in and he was bouncing off the walls, and and so his trauma work has certainly helped him settle. But something as simple as glycine, which is an amino acid you can get over the counter, mm-hmm. and he said, "Oh man, this glycine has really changed my life." <laughs> Mellowing him up. And it's and it's not even a prescription drug, right? It's yeah. something you can get at your uh, at Whole Foods or whatever. Um, so I, I just I think there's so much to know in medicine and especially in mental health. Mm-hmm. And like I, I certainly know my brain can't hold it all and yeah. synthesize yeah. it all. Yeah. And so having another individual with a, a different experience and hurt, you know, your 
so many decades of medical experience seeing thousands of clients and being able to just bounce that off each other mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of priceless and yeah. I, and this sounds braggadocious but <clears throat> I think there are a few things in the world that are truly synergistic mm. but when we work together I just feel like it's one plus one equals three I agree you I know agree. Be- just because we're able to pop you know diagnostic ideas and treatment plans and that kind of stuff right that's awesome I would just love, especially from the two of you, after everything that we just learned, mm-hmm. if you could talk a little bit about, you know, the relationship between traumatic experiences and what happens in the physical body, mm-hmm. and maybe even the other way around. I just, it's such a fascinating thing that I think most people don't quite understand. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think if, you know, if you experience something traumatic, you might experience stressed or nightmares or just have a hard time in certain ways, but I don't think people really know what's going on. And mm-hmm. I was wondering just to hear if we could talk about that a bit. Sure, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> there there are so many sub- s- systems that are involved, mm-hmm. um, immunologically for one, and I feel like that's a big mm-hmm. key in today's world <laughs> uh, with COVID and, and uh, everyone so concerned about how there's how they are going to respond to an immunologic insult mm-hmm. um, but just stress just emotional stress in general um, uh, causes issues with something something called polymorphic neutrophils I mean there there are areas in the body that really um, take a whack um, so to speak uh, just even in terms of blood cells Mm. um your gut which houses about 90 percent of your immune system also um with trauma takes a hit and Mm. we know that even um something called secretory iga which coats the the lining of your gut and and kind of helps prevent um bacteria and different things from entering into the bloodstream, that layer is actually um, diminished. And I even test for that Mm. with some of my gut tests that I do. Um, So uh, there's that. Then the the adrenal glands and um, the way the body produces more cortisol during a time of stress. But then that cortisol once it's been activated for so long, can, can cause problems with your immune system as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even just affect things like sleep that then further impacts your immune system. So we see a lot of people with high cortisol in the evenings and, mm-hmm. and you're you know, struggling uh, in that way because cortisol produced at night increases your blood glucose. There was a patient I remember who came in here who was fit in in every other way, um, had had this consistently high uh, glucose level, and otherwise her, her markers of prolonged glucose abnormalities were not elevated, but Mm -hmm. she just kept having these hits of elevated glucose. It was showing up in her, um, in her labs from outside as well. And we, we found that 
she was just having a tremendous time sleeping at night, had really high cortisol at night. Once we started getting that under control, I mean, some doctors had even told her she was diabetic. And I told Mm. her, I said, I do not feel you're a diabetic. (laughs) I think this is related to cortisol. Sure enough, we tested her and it was, and we helped get that cortisol down. and, And that was so much better. So there are so many systems um, that become involved in that stress response wow. and, um, and you know, start to show wear and tear or mm-hmm. even break. Yeah. And um, it's just, it's, it's phenomenal to see how many there are. But I would say the, the adrenal axis, the, the gut axis, and um, just kind of broader immunologically, um, those, you know, really take a hit. And we've gotten the, uh, you know, so many um, studies from adverse childhood experiences and following those kids mm-hmm. into adulthood and just seeing increased risk for, I mean, it affects your cardiovascular system, sure. mm-hmm. uh, system endocrine pretty, systems yeah. as well. Wow. So those, those children, uh, you know, and have autoimmune disorders, and mm-hmm. that's a whole other area yeah. where stress um affects the system immunologically and then it becomes an autoimmune disease so i remember hearing about are you referring to the aces study yes the adverse childhood experiences i remember learning about that in one of our programs here Mm -hmm. and then watching a ted talk on it and just Mm -hmm. it was so revolutionary for me to know and discover that the number of adverse experiences you have from your childhood could directly correlate to health issues it just Mm -hmm. felt like yeah i think we talk about this a lot that the brain and the body are completely separate when actually that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I, I think this conversation makes me so grateful to have the two of you here yeah. because the way you approach medicine and our patients, you know, because <laughs> a lot of times if someone has physical symptoms, they don't even consider trauma or stress. Right. They just mm-hmm. maybe so true. give them something to reduce mm. symptoms or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's a Band-Aid on a, gaping wound that needs stitches kind yes, of absolutely and and you're you're so right and yes so getting that's why the trauma work that's done here is so so important because yeah. learning to heal and to cope with that mm. um that's vital absolutely vital yeah. and then going and healing some of the physical issues so mm-hmm. yeah and it, I think the unique perspective that Sarah and I can both have. So as the psychiatrist, I'm, I delve more into their story, right? And and f- when someone is here for 30 days, I really get to know them. Mm-hmm. And not only do I get to hear their story in many different settings, but I get to hear the other professionals with whom they work yeah. and kind of see how they function in communities, see how they function alone, mm-hmm. equine, in adventure, so there are all these different touch points where we can see how, uh, you know, a person is doing, how they function in community, how they, how they are relationally. And so, so many times Sarah will come up with a medical issue and I'm like, oh my gosh, that fits so perfectly into their story, mm-hmm. you know, and, and into their trauma um, or their developmental wounding. So and just, just having, I don't know, having those two perspectives again, I think is really, really I th- and I think unique. Yeah. I think it's important yeah. too. 
Yeah. Holistic is the word that I keep hearing, yeah. like mm-hmm. feeling. Absolutely. Is that it's a way to approach someone in a way that's not done in the quote-unquote normal world. You know, so many times, and I, f- I feel like it's really unfortunate that, that people get to the end of their rope before they decide to spend 30 days in residential treatment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wish they would give themselves the gift and the luxury of coming in a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a typical story that I hear is they're feeling bad, they're not functioning, mm-hmm. they have fatigue, they're not sleeping, poor appetite, ex- increased appetite, whatever, all these different kind of typical, quote, psychiatric symptoms. They go to their doctor and they typically get the following. They get a comprehensive metabolic profile, which is a blood test, Mm -hmm. a complete blood count, which is a blood test, and a TSH, which is a thyroid test. So that's maybe a vitamin D if somebody's really, really with it. And their blood work is quote unquote normal. And so they come in and like, well, I know it's not physical. I know it's not medical because my blood work was normal. I'm like, yeah, but you're not feeling well. Yeah. <laughs> you're not exactly. functioning. You're not thriving. Yeah. And so then Sarah will do, I mean, we had an individual and her story was kind of unique and we diagnosed her with mold exposure. Exactly. Remember that? I mean, yeah. It, it, I mean, and so these in medicine, we call them zebras, you know, mm-hmm. typically you see horses, but occasionally you'll see a zebra. And in this setting, we get more and more zebras that mm-hmm. are inflammatory diseases, autoimmune diseases, mm-hmm. and it's so crucial to pick those up. And then the other thing that I think Sarah does so adeptly is, you know, I think the body has this innate desire to heal itself. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, if you get a scar you don't have, or a cut, you don't have to think about it. The body just heals itself on its own. Yeah. Um, but emotional wounds are just a little more complex. And mm. so Sarah's, and I feel like we're both sometimes able to get out of the way mm-hmm. and let the client heal, heal on their own. Absolutely. Many times in psychiatry, I practice more medication by subtraction than addition. Yeah. Many times people will come in on four or five different psychiatric medicines mm-hmm. in three or four different classes, mm-hmm. and I'm able to, you know, simplify their medical regimen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have less burden to psychotropic medicines and they have fewer side effects. And, and you know, Sarah will use supplements. I mean, you know, you're not afraid to use pharmacologic, right. you know, right. prescribed agents. But so but many times... We try to limit those as much as possible. Absolutely. I mean, and, and I make that very clear with my patients. I have no financial interest in yeah. <laughs> uh, in prescribing you this and, yeah. and really and no financial interest in ordering tests either. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel I feel like it's very important to uncouple that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yes, I mean, I've I've really taking a minimalist approach whenever possible and trying to do some, give someone something that does more than one thing, Um, you know, and, and really looking at that. So something that can, can do two things for a person rather than just one and choosing that one. Um, But yes, I mean, and I say this all the time to my patients, less is more and you're more likely to stick to it. Yeah. And we are more likely to find out, the benefit of this if we don't complicate the picture with so many things. Um, And so um, I, I find that a challenge and I love that challenge Mm. and because I, I feel very, very strongly that in functional medicine, we we need to, um, you know, be conservative. (laughs) We, We really do. We need to, we need to strive to be conservative in that. Makes sense. Yeah. I think you mentioned um, psychiatry by subtraction, but mm-hmm. what is the normal? You say someone comes in with several, but do the majority of people who come in on something go out on something? Like, what does that look like 
for someone who's currently managing that? Yes. So what is typical, and this was my experience being a private practice psychiatrist and seeing someone for an hour every three to four weeks, which is standard, and Mm -hmm. it's very unfortunate, Yeah. Yeah. um, is they would come in and they would tell me their symptoms and I would prescribe a psychotropic agent Mm -hmm. to combat those symptoms. And hopefully they were in therapy and they would come back the next month and let me know how they were doing. And what I found was if I really wasn't hitting the root cause or didn't even know the root cause, then I'm adding medications Mm -hmm. to handle symptoms. And in psychiatry, it's not unusual to give a medicine to combat a side effect from another medicine. Right. And so, you know, and so you'll end up with a patient on six different medicines in four different classes and, and you look at their chart and you're like, oh, my God, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when they're able to come into this setting and, you know, their meals are taken care of, they give up their phone, they're on a normal sleep schedule, they're not smoking a little bit of marijuana at bedtime, right? Like, yeah. And, and things tend to just normalize anyway. Mm-hmm. And then the other issue is, and I'm sure I've, fallen prey to this as well, but just kind of Mm -hmm. over-diagnosing, putting people in a diagnostic box that really don't belong, Mm -hmm. and how difficult and nuanced psychiatric diagnosis is Mm. because, you know, you have symptoms that traverse many different diagnoses like sleep. Sleep's an issue in bipolar disorder. Uh, Mm. It's an issue in anxiety. It's an issue in depression, right? And, you know, irritability or trouble concentrating. And so it's so easy to over-diagnose or actually misdiagnose people. And when they come in here, we're able to just kind of reset and, and look at them with Sarah's work and with my work and with the whole team. I feel like we're able to get better diagnostic acumen mm. and, and just, just have a kind of a better treatment plan and more simplistic treatment plan. I yeah. agree. There is, there is nothing like everyone's eyes being on that person yeah. and that day-to-day you know like how is this person responding day-to-day mm-hmm. I mean our nurses you know work with them so closely they're excellent at noticing things and bringing them yeah. to our attention and you just miss that yeah. Yeah. outside of a day-to-day setting that's so true so we have a client right now and um and we're trying to to just under understand the gestalt of who she is, right? She's just a little more reserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a little more introverted. And her therapist came to me about 10 days ago and he said, I think she has true depression. I think she is endogenously depressed. And so I met with her and we're like, okay, I'll tell you what, let's, let's start an antidepressant in this case. Mm-hmm. And I just saw her two hours ago and she's kind of like a different person. Yeah. You know? And so I have this love, hate, like push-pull with psychotropic medicines, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like I think many times they're overused and then sometimes you need mm-hmm. that in the yeah. moment. Yep. Well, and just to speak to this whole opportunity for our clients, like to remove from their environment and have the eyes on them 24 mm-hmm. seven, all the support. Yeah. And sometimes I'm imagining because they're not in the stressful environment of home or yeah. and they're doing the trauma work and they have all the support. I mean, that's the medicine right there. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. It's so exactly it's so healing in itself. And sometimes a lot of what they're showing symptoms-wise is more of a sign to their environment, which at least here they get clarity on and under, start to understand mm-hmm. how they can change when they get when they leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because every client who goes through the program and right before they leave, I have to do what's called a discharge meeting. Yep. And I'll just find out 
in essence, like, tell me what worked for you, what didn't work for you. Mm -hmm. And so I'll put multiple aspects of this program on the board and like individual therapy, group therapy, uh, breath works, uh, equine, yoga, right? Mm -hmm. And all these different things. And I'll put community in there. I said, I want you to look at all of these aspects of this program. What is the most important aspect of this program for you? Mm -hmm. And I would say 80% of the people circle community Mm -hmm. as number one. Yep. And yeah. so um, is it, I think Johan Hari wrote a book, Lost Connections. And, you know, I think his thesis is that most addictions are um, an issue of community. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, so just the healing power of community. It, it's and I think if we do one thing really well after providing a safe, safe environment at Milestones, it's nurturing and engendering a really, really strong supportive community. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you yep. agree, Christopher? A hundred percent. Every yeah. interview we have mm-hmm. lands yeah. there, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. No, that's so true. Hey there. Thanks for listening to the Treating Trauma Podcast. Throughout this series, we talk a lot about Milestone's experience and the ways that we can come alongside individuals adversely impacted by the effects of trauma. I wanted to make you aware of another way that OnSite can serve you if you are struggling to understand and make sense of your past adversity. For decades, OnSite's in-person group workshops have been helping people right-size their experiences and find the hope and healing they need. Our six-day healing trauma program is designed to help you address the emotional pain, compulsive behavior cycles, and disconnection that often follows a traumatic experience. This world-renowned group experiential program provides you with the education and innovative tools necessary to support your recovery journey. You can now experience the power of the group workshop on our California or Nashville campuses. Connect with our admissions team at 1-800-341-7432 or head to onsiteworkshops.com to learn more about our healing trauma program. Now, back to the interview. Dr. Neil, when you were talking and you were talking about how people just get all these diagnoses just like mm-hmm. stacked on one another after another another. And you were also at the beginning of the conversation talked about narratives that we carry yeah, and identifiers that aren't true. And so I would love for you to maybe speak to someone coming in wearing the badge of whatever, and maybe it's a misdiagnosis, but what does that do and how do you help them dismantle that and figure out what is actually true? Wow, this is huge. So I would say eight out of 10 people who walk in the door, sit in my office office and say, I don't feel like I deserve to be here Mm. because I don't think my trauma is severe enough Mm. to warrant this treatment. And and I have to tell them, you know, that's so interesting you say that because, and I'll tell them, 80% of people sit in (laughs) the chair you're in and say that, right? And and just for me personally and my mental health, like my self-narrative is the thing I struggle with the most, Mm. right? And so event trauma, so if I may share something strange and out of the blue that happened to me 19 years ago, um, I stepped out of my parents' house at Thanksgiving after visiting and a bullet just fell from the sky and hit me in the face and went through my nose and into my cheek. Oh, yeah, yeah. Christopher did not tell you. That is the weirdest story I've ever heard, one, and two, it's like. Yeah, so I was shot in the head, but 
there was no it was there was no contextual narrative to it. It was it fell out of the sky. It was a freak accident. I didn't know who did it. Yeah. Um, you still don't know who did it. Still don't know who did it. And and it was I, I think it was just an it was, it just was a, a straight bullet. Straight yeah. bullet. Yeah. And it didn't happen in childhood, right? And so people are like, oh my God, that had to be the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to you. No, it didn't no. register, right? And but things that did happen in my childhood, you know, in first grade when this kid said this to me or mm-hmm. whatever. It and so those early impactful things affect your self-narrative. Mm-hmm. And and I really feel like self-narrative is the thing that we work on the most at milestones and correcting the self-narrative. Mm-hmm. Right. Um so uh, and oftentimes it doesn't have to be errors of commission by parents. It can be errors of omission, like mm-hmm. neglect. Um, we've had people who've actually come into our program after their parents won the lottery mm. because it was so destabilizing to the family. Mm. And it changed them. And so yeah. you would think, are you kidding me? You won the lottery and you're here for trauma? Well, yeah. It changed the family. It changed their lives Yeah, yeah. At, a, at a crucial time. Wow. Mm. So... Um, so I don't want to minimize like severe trauma, right? I mean, that's a mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And it causes typical symptoms of PTSD in some people. But I really think like developmental wounding in, in, in the context of like complex PTSD can be more profound. Sure. And, and more, yeah, just What do you mean subversive. by the, when you say complex PTSD? So there there is a event trauma, like a car wreck or, you know, a People have been held at gunpoint, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. those are events, like me being shot in the head. That's an event. And so it's easy to look at that event outside of yourself and say, oh, that was that was a traumatic thing. Mm-hmm. But when you're a child in an unhealthy environment or you have a parent who has an addiction or you have a parent who has a, you know, a mental health problem and the parent may be doing the best they can do, mm-hmm. um, but as a child, and you, you don't have the wherewithal to look at the system with full clarity. Yeah. And so it creates confusion. And so what the child tends to do is to blame mm-hmm. him or herself. And thus is the night is for the negative self-narrative. And then out of that develops the codependency, right? Yeah. Which is something we work on down the hill uh, at Milestones. And um, anyway, it, it's it's also important, but it's not what people think when they think of trauma. Yeah, definitely so, not. They have so. a very different view. What you're saying is that trauma can be the backdrop for all these other diagnose, official diagnoses. Absolutely. And then you can unravel those diagnoses in that context. Thank you for bringing that up. Mm. So many people come in diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and they're not bipolar. Mm-hmm. Borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. and they're not borderline. Mm-hmm. ADHD, and they don't truly have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Genetics mm-hmm. just don't make mm-hmm. enough of the enzyme that is responsible for taking those catecholamines out of the system, mm. out of the bloodstream. After a fight-or-flight response. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so During we do some traumatic. testing on that. Interestingly, magnesium is super helpful for those patients, but it's it's really gratifying for some patients who have dealt with that. And, you know, I mean, that those are, those cause your your blood pressure to increase, you can even feel short of breath, you know, all of that. And when you look at that and realize that they have very, based on genetics, very low COMT, very low ability to to do that, to disarm those adrenalines, then they, 
it's like an aha moment. Mm. And they kind of realize that, um, okay, this is not all just me and my ability to overcome. Now, not to say that you can't learn things, you know, that help, that help. help diffuse that. Absolutely, that's so important. But just to to understand that, yes, there's some things genetically that mm-hmm. we know that we can test for that that account for some of this. And so, quit, you know, blaming yourself mm-hmm. um, because um, this this you know has something to do with your genetics and it it's keeping them dysregulated exactly that's what you're and so wow. so much of a trauma response is that you can't regulate your emotions or your reactions so that's the body the so body, interesting <laughs> the body <laughs> does tend to heal itself yes. i think about your s- yeah. scar right. or your cut situation sure. and then sometimes there's things where you need a some lab work and some functional medicine <gasps> yes to just probably make like i'm imagining like someone having that um deficit or deficiency and then mm-hmm. they get on magnesium and like it gets better what well, it, yeah, it, it helps it, yeah and it, similar it really to mthfr help. if you could touch exactly. on that that's an enzyme that it it's really coming to the forefront in psychiatry now sarah that's something that right. you and i both look at that that we look at and it's responsible for making neurotransmitters in the brain hmm. and um and so we can do genetic testing that reveals the degree of your deficiency, we can approximate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is amazing to see some patients' response to the treatment for that, which is making up for the enzyme deficiency, giving them this substance that the mm. enzyme, just based on your genetics, you just mm-hmm. can't make enough of. Wow. Um, so it's, yeah, it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. It's so fascinating. And, and uh, I, I just found this study just absolutely fascinating. Talking about genetics, they um, scientists a few years ago they took some mice and paired the smell of cherry blossoms with an electric shock. And obviously, then when they took the electric shock away and just gave them the smell of the cherry blossoms, the mice had a response like they were going to receive an electric shock. They bred the mice to the next generation and to the next generation. Those mice had never been exposed to cherry blossoms and had never been the smell and had never been exposed to electric shock. They introduced the smell of cherry blossoms to the second generation of mice and they reacted as if they were going to get an electric shock. That wow. could be a whole other podcast. Totally, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, the generational yeah, right. trauma. Totally, yes. Exactly. Yes. I mean, isn't that not unbelievable? Exactly. Just the wiring. That it's literally the, the wiring in the brain, yeah, right? Yep. And yep. and I mean, they've looked at yes. Confederate uh, prison camp survivors. They've looked mm-hmm. at Holocaust family survivors and that kind of thing. It's just, it again, like if you don't approach this field with awe, curiosity, and yeah. intellectual humility, you're going to miss out on stuff. Wow. That's so good. Well, as we, I mean, we, I feel like I could ask you 1,000 more questions, but where can someone start with this? If they're thinking, okay, I want to help make some of these connections, what are some of the blood tests they can ask for? What are the questions they can ask a psychiatrist? Mm-hmm. Like, how do they start to dive into this if they don't have the mm-hmm. brilliant sibling duo of the Bomars? <laughs> there are some lesser known um labs, some things that I check in my patients. I mean, I just had someone with a elevated high sensitivity C-reactive protein today. And so now we're on the move for, you know, what's causing this because she's got 
you know, some significant uh, inflammation there. Things like fasting insulin rather than just checking a long-term uh, marker of glucose metabolism like hemoglobin A1C, looking for pre, you know, pre-diabetes, those, those mm. types of things. Um, looking, you know, in some of my patients with uh, cholesterol issues, looking at a NMR lipid panel versus a regular lipid panel. I mean, they're just multiple. Um, you know, Sarah, the other thing that you have picked up so often uh, is Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Thyroid antibodies. Right. And so there's there's particular yes. tests that you have mm. to do. You can't just look at a TSH. Don't just look at the TSH. For one thing, when that those values were normed, they included unhealthy people in the norms. Mm. <laughs> so our... our um, uh, range of what is normal should probably be narrower than it is. And in those patients um, who have thyroid antibodies, uh, I might treat them at a different range of normal mm. than I would someone else. So um, another thing that is incredibly common, um, and I think it just has to do with our processed diets, um, but that is low ferritin, especially in women. So mm. you'll do a regular screening of a complete blood count and totally miss the fact that someone's iron deficient. Mm. And women who have a ferritin below 50 have significant fatigue issues. Yeah. Wow. And so they, they really need to be treated. But the, the range goes down to a ferrin of 28. Yeah. So, you know, if you just like look at the range, you're going to miss that patient. And polycystic um, ovarian syndrome, that's something that just comes up over and yes, over in our female it does. patients. So, yes, yeah, so hormonal issues, women's hormonal issues. Y'all talk about huge. vitamin D a lot and how oh that's gosh. connected to vitamin D. It's a very D. easy thing to or miss and then how, what impact it can have on yours. I have seen one client in my career as a physician who's had a vitamin D level over 100. 80% of my clients come in and their vitamin D level is under 50. Probably, probably more than that. Um, I would and say it's supposed to be where? Well, I would really like it over 50, and that's being very conservative. No. So vitamin D is, is something we do on everybody. But what's and, associated with deficiency of vitamin D? Well, actually, th there are a lot of studies that show that you don't respond to antidepressants, antidepressant mm. therapy if you have mm -hmm. low vitamin D. Uh, yes, fatigue, definite, definite mood. Mood, symptoms. fatigue, depression, all those things that most of us complain about. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, um, and And just your uh, immunity. You right. know, so lowered yeah. immunity. Yeah. And also, I, I would encourage people. Uh, I love Costco. I go to Costco, but you know, getting these mega bottles of vitamins from Costco for ten bucks. Mm -hmm. I would encourage you to look at. You know, if you're going to spend some money on vitamins, get good, good quality yeah. vitamins. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, they're just forms of B12 and folate that some people don't process well, and so they mm. need. Like methylated B twelve and methylated folate. The devil's in the details. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. you 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 need some granularity on that and you need someone to walk you You with, really do. Yeah. And, through and, that. And right. so to if I could answer your question, Mackenzie, if if you ever needed a plumber, what would you do? If you needed a plumber. How would you, would you find ask a plumber? Your friends about a Bingo. Plumber. Exactly. You're not gonna go into the, the you know, the yellow pages or whatever get yeah. online and just look somebody up. You're gonna get word of mouth. Yeah. And so right. I would encourage people if they go to see a functional medicine doctor, make sure it's like they're vetted. Yeah. Right. And also mm -hmm. with psychiatry, like psychiatrists engender strong feelings in people. Mm. God, that was the worst person I've ever seen. Oh, I love my psychiatrist, right? And so um I, I would definitely 
get word of mouth and not just look somebody up. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. That's helpful. Um, well, thank you both for sitting down with us. This has been so good and so wonderful. And I think if people are intrigued by this, um, we'll put some resources in uh, the show notes. And we also have some some more resources and places that we have interviewed you. So I'll make sure that people have access to that. So thank you for joining us. If you or someone you love is struggling with the negative effects of unaddressed trauma, the safety, community, and expert care of the residential experience at Milestones may offer the individualized help and healing you need. Milestones is a one-of-a-kind, holistic, and specialized residential trauma treatment experience, serving individuals adversely affected by symptoms of unaddressed trauma, including anxiety, depression, codependency, and PTSD. This innovative and integrative program offers a variable length of stay from 30 to 90 days, specific to individual needs. When life feels like too much, Milestones offers a refuge and a place of healing. Learn more at milestonesatonsite.com. Also, we'd love to help you explore the right option for you. You can connect with our admissions team for a confidential call at 1-800-341-7432 or email them at admissions at onsiteworkshops.com. You deserve this.